One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode of For All the Roost podcast is dedicated to the memory of Darren Alexander, the former joint chairman of the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust, who sadly lost his life last week. And uh, welcome to Rule the Roost podcast. Um, I'm joined as ever by Mr. Raji Baines. Hello, Raj. How you doing, mate? I'm not so bad yourself. Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm good, thanks. Um, well, I say good. As good as you can be after having your pants pulled down by Chelsea. Um, which I think, I'm, I'm going to be honest, not, I don't want to sound bitter. I don't want to take too much away from them. They were pretty ruthless, fairly professional. Um, but still, I don't think I've ever seen anyone gifted quite and quite as easy a four 0 victory as they got against us. To be honest, do you? Uh, no, not really. It was, um, it was we were on, we were our own worst enemies more than anything else, and um, that's probably the story of our season. Do you? I, I just I, I want to jump in. I don't want to you know pick over this too much because it's quite frankly depressing and I know can we not talk about something we've actually enjoyed this week like you know true detective finale or the metronomy record or something mate I'll tell you what the true detective finale I I cannot believe the fact that for all this time you're thinking like the spaghetti monster it's just like (laughs) the figment of some kid's imagination and it actually like I, I was a bit disappointed that they ruined the credibility of the show by actually having a big giant lump of pasta come and attack Attack them at the end. I'm sorry for any spoilers, but bringing that hot, bring the fact it was an actual spaghetti monster was fucking ridiculous. Like, but it shows it how brilliantly written it was that the whole thing was made out to be this really highbrow, intense drama, and it just had that almost farcical Monty <laughs> Python esque ending. Do you know what I mean? Like, especially when the when they found him in his lair, hidden the um the pot of pot noodle. <laughs> no, it was the pot noodle. It's like a big. Giant jar of Dolmio, oh. which they must have got a ton for that for the sponsor. <laughs> well, that's product placement at its finest. I know, I know, but honestly, I thought that was one of the finest pieces of just like just such a, a, a kind of genre bend of that to, to to have it like like I say, build highbrow, intellectual, dark, <laughs> gritty piece. Just ended up this farcical Monty Python, super noodles, mental madcap, whatever. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant television. But yeah, um, going back to Chelsea. <laughs> I don't want to go back to Chelsea anymore. <laughs> Jan Vertonghen, his slip, you know, you, you can appreciate that. It would be it would be very harsh to really lambast him for what was a fairly crap pass back. But it, I think it was more just a reaction, wasn't it? He slipped over, just kicked the ball anyway. Get it away from me. I know I've got a man on me. Seemed pretty unfortunate he went to Eto. I have to give it to Eto. Still had a bit of work to do. It was a decent finish. Um, the second, the the penalty and sending off. I mean, the referee. Uh, and it's 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 not just to sound like a a, a bitter Spurs fan. It was an abs. Uh, I said it at the time, and I thought uh, afterwards I'll have a look. Maybe I'm just being a bit knee jerk. 
watching back on it, the referee had a clear view. It's an absolutely appalling call. It's an absolutely appalling call. How, how that was a penalty for a start, let alone a red card, it's just absolutely ludicrous. Well, it's twice it's happened this season where a game's gone away from us in a, in a place where it's theoretically retrievable. Uh, Manchester City being the other one where we've had a red card given against us for apparently what is a goal-scoring opportunity. Um, and have it a few days later, have it rescinded and lose the game on the back of it. It's, I mean, Kevin Friend's not been given a game this weekend and Cabal's going to be playing, so I think that, that pretty much speaks volume in itself. I mean, there's, the FA always come out and they say that they've, it's, it's, it was in the rotor beforehand, but, you know, normally what happens is they'll drop down a league. You'll see the odd Premier League player, a referee sorry, taking a, a championship game for the weekend. Um, but he, he's he's not on the the rotor whatsoever. He's been dropped for a weekend, which you can only Good. deem as a as Good. A, he's got shit hair. He looks like a little prick, and I hate him. So there you go. Kevin, he's only he's I think he's twenty nine. Kevin Friend. He's quite young for a top flight referee. Uh, good. Get rid of him. Don't like him. Bring back Uriah Rennie. I say. Um, so Campbell would love it. I've said all I'm going to say about something. No, I, actually, well. yeah, go on to the website and read a, a really good piece by Jack um, on Sol Campbell um, that went up yesterday, I think. So two days after you're going to listen to this, probably. I don't know why we ever refer to time and put declaratives in when you know it's a audio medium where anyone can listen whenever they want. So it's What's on the that? website, and it's the only thing we've ever published about Sol Campbell. So you'll be able to find it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's uh, it's I, I'm quite surprised and uh, appreciate the response it's had so far. I think it's actually you know provided a bit of thought for 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 a few Spurs fans, and that's that's all I wanted really. Um, but yeah, uh, um, Tim Sherwood would would go on to his post match comments afterwards um, because he's he's given a particular presser ahead of the Benfica match as well, which is of a similar ilk. But just wanted to touch on very quickly like the last two goals. It's felt like a complete capitulation. Um, and that's, I felt up until the second goal, we were actually playing all right. And in retrospect, a lot of people are laying into his team selection. And I said it before the game, and you know, I'm, 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 I'm reticent to ever give Sherwood any praise. And I, I don't know whether it's praise I'm giving him now, but I did find his team selection very interesting. And I don't think it was as bad as people were making out. It wasn't all. whatsoever. It worked for an hour. Um, exactly. The, the first half couldn't have gone uh, without us scoring a goal. It couldn't have gone much better. It was it was the AVB formation, and at the end of the day, it was a four-two-three-one uh, with Bentaleb and Sandro playing in a deeper band. And I'd said before the game, I tweeted that neither one of those should get booked early, and Bentaleb managed to do so with inside ten minutes. I think it was about six or eight minutes. One of the two that he, he put in and out of timer and and was in the book. It wasn't the best thing for him to do when he's got to be putting in challenges all day. And um, Walker on the right, although he, at times he, at times he kind of like he he was playing as a number ten at points, and he was swapping with Aaron Lennon, and then he was dropping back and almost holding hands with Cal Norton, making sure he didn't make a mistake at right back. It was, I think that was the only experiment that perhaps down to to Walker's lack of knowledge how to play right midfield was the only thing that failed there but even then it was going it was going fine for an hour you can't really fault that the first goal 
is an individual's mistake. The second goal is a referee's um, mistake. The second, the the last two, sorry, are. Um, I mean, you could have almost played the Benny Hill music over the <laughs> over the, the yeah. second two going in, and then that was just a, a complete heads down capitulation, which we see many times. I think I think more than anything, does does third and fourth goals are the ones that that got. Sherwood's eye the most, the ones that he seemed deemed as being unnecessary, the ones where he he wouldn't have wanted to to go in, and I think he's got a point there. But, um, I mean, as you say, we're not shy of finding a stick to beat Sherwood with, but the fact that we lost that game probably isn't one in the in the grander scheme of things. Now, you, you could see, I mean, the, the second goal went, went against us, um, and it just seemed from that point on that the players... There was just that that switch in several of them that was just like we've lost this. Damn, that's it. We're done. We're done now. We've done our work. Hasn't paid off for us. And you, you can understand being demoralised, but at the same time, the the capitulation for the last two goals. I've said capitulation about six times now, but the capitulation for the for the last two goals was was inexcusable, really. Um, well, there's that, and there's the fact that our back four at the end of the game had. I think it had Sandro, Norton, and Friars in it. So that wasn't really helping. I mean, Barr was gifted two goals, but we had a, a stitched-together back four that was far from ideal. I mean, Sandro was Sandro was diving in everywhere. He didn't know what to be do, what, what he was supposed to be doing it whatsoever. And um, it was a very odd thing. And, and you know, Kabul being sent off and Dawson getting injured pretty much summed up our look for the day and probably our look that we've we've had at Stamford Bridge since 1990. I mean, in my lifetime, I've never seen us win there in the league or probably, I can't even remember in the cup if we've ever done it. Do you, uh, do you think what uh, show came out with afterwards was, was out of line? I mean, I personally find it unprofessional, but at the same time, on a, on a human level, I find it quite refreshing that he has come out and, and laid into the players like that because, you know, this this is the same group of players that under two managers now and two very different type of managers, not not in just their kind of their tactical or lack thereof approach to the game, um, but also just in their their outlook and their the way they hold themselves as people. And if they are both getting the same kind of response from these players, essentially like bottling it in big games, not really digging in, not really going that extra mile. As we've seen, even against teams like Cardiff, like, you know, we really had to struggle to to, to beat that Cardiff side. Uh, and, and you just think, you know, the spotlight really does have to be turned on to these players. And a few people have said, and this is a point I kind of agree with, that they say, you know, well, Sherwood, if he really wants to be a, a, a considered a serious manager... He's, he's going to have to iron these things out and he's going to have to start being a bit more professional. But other people said, no, I mean, he, he is a man that he's apparently said that he's going to be a manager in his in the way he wants to be a manager. And it'll, he'll either fail being himself or succeed being himself. And I, I kind of admire that about him in a way. Um, and I also think it is fair enough for... Uh, for someone to have a to have a go at the players because it's it's not just you know it's not just a, a couple of new players have come in and they've been singled out under the spotlight he hasn't mentioned any names um and he he hasn't particularly said like you know oh they're out the door or this has happened or that's happened you know all he said is that 
they're not working hard enough. There's a few people in that dressing room that, you know, forget about the last bad result as soon as they hit the motorway. Um, and he doesn't want players like that playing for him. And I think that's more than fair enough to say. He hasn't, you know, said the whole like, oh, so-and-so's rubbish. You know, Harry Redknapp said, my missus could have finished that when Darren Bent missed something, which was funny. But the press and most Tottenham fans treated that as a big laugh. And he called him out and, indiv- like, you know, called him out individually and humiliated him. Um, but Sherwood hasn't done that. He has said, I want players that want to fight for the team and they want to be here and they want to play for this club. As he said today in his Benfica pre-match presser, he, he, he said, I'm, I'm not here to babysit egos. I'm here to be a man manager. Um, well, that's probably the wrong term, really, like man managing men, so to speak. Um, and if they can't handle me being frank with them, then they shouldn't be playing here. And also, you know, for any of these players that feel like they have outgrown. So that's obviously been noticed from within the club. People talking about the likes of Jan Vertonghen um, kind of giving up. I think Sherwood's pre-match presser today, he was pretty much highlighting Vertonghen expressly in that by saying there's one or two people here who feel that they're too good for the club, that they feel they've outgrown it. And, you know, we don't want players like that here. And he's only saying what a lot of the fans are saying. And if these players want to go anyway, then there's there's no harming him. So I don't know. I just find it refreshing. But uh, how is it? How, how do you perceive it, mate? Is it something that you you know does it does it annoy you? Does it get you back up? Would you rather have someone that you know backed back the players more, even when they arguably don't deserve it? Um, I think if you take the the post match one from Chelsea, um, it was very odd. I mean, had he said the comments and he said it in a normal matter, in a normal manner, sorry, then I think um, it would have been slightly more understandable. I think the thing that was the strangest about that was the demeanour in which he came across. He was he, he had his head down. He his voice. He, he pretty much murmured the words that he was saying. It's almost as if he needed to to give himself an extra ten fifteen minutes in the dressing room to sit on his own and kind of think the game through before he went out. Because he was, he's still quite clearly still fired up, still pissed off. Just looked like he'd, he'd given them, you know, what for in the changing rooms and was, you know, is he? Have you ever like spoken to someone when like they're, they're down or something's just happened to them and they can hardly speak and they're just, you know, they're, they're struggling to get words out. It, that's the way in which he was just murmuring out the odd phrase. He looked, he looked completely dejected and well, understandably after that sort of result, but. It's a very odd experience watching that one. Um, I think he's because it's so quick after the game. Because I mean, if he'd have stuck a camera and given us a microphone after the game, we could have probably said much worse. But um, it's probably not ideal for him to have to to go through that on a on a televised occasion straight after a game. Um, the one today, the press conference today. Um, there was a couple. I think. I think the main thing to, to take out of whenever he said something in the press is I think it actually comes from a good place with him. I think he actually means what he's trying to say and I think he actually intends well. I don't think he's got any sort of hidden agendas as, as Red Knapp would have done when he said his his pieces and when he you know he, he used to come out with a phrase, he used to talk about other players, he used to have a laugh with his mates in the press. It was it's a different sort of thing with him. Whereas Sherwood actually seems like he's he, he cares a little bit more, he actually knows knows that this fan's there, which which is much better. But, um, I mean, the, the phrase from today where he said that a few of them were playing for their future seemed 
a bit odd to me, given that if you pick out the elite players in our squad, they they probably pick up bigger contracts at perceivably bigger clubs at the minute in, in the Champions League, quite happily in the summer. And the, you know, if Tim Sherwood's going to be managing and talking about that, talking about them like that, they'd they'd quite happily do it. So he almost kind of shoots himself in the foot if he says that, and and it doesn't go to plan. Because you know they they grow men at the end of the day. They can they can either take it as a kick up the arse as inspiration, or they can tell him to get fucked and leave. So it's it's a risk. But um, I think I, the underlying thing for me is that I can't see a long term future in, for him at the club, and I think he knows that, which is why I think he he says comments like this and he goes off script and he. He quite clearly, I spoke to um, Roberto, who we've had on the show before. Who, who, he was a, you know, managers are given um, like a, oh, not a script, but you know, they're given a briefing before press conferences, what to speak about, what not to speak about, and what have you. And he, he almost like he, he, he openly said, "I'm not sure whether or not he even listens to them," because um, he, he says he's his own man and he's and he wants to manage in his own fashion. So you're never really sure what he's going to say and, and just how happy the club are about it because he, he threw around Levy and Baldini's names today about planning for next season and you don't know how much is of that is him trying to edge his foot in the door and how much is actually the truth. So I'm I'm not sure where to fall. I think he's, he's probably 60% right in what he says, 40% unexperienced. But um, if he's unexperienced... And if he's inexperienced, then how can we have ever given a job to a man who is eight years younger than him beforehand? So um, I think that's where I am at. It. I'm out with it. Um, and he wears gilets, so yeah. Gilets, the best uh, temporary manager can get. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good actually. I'm going to steal that for a trunk video. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so it's it's a massive week for Tottenham Hotspur this week. Uh, the fate of our Europa League campaign, well, at least. Part of it will be decided on Thursday night as we welcome Benfica to the lane. It's a big old European tie, that. A lot of history there between the two clubs as well. Um, and we also have the old enemy. Well, that's a smelly doubleheader, isn't it, mate? Chelsea and then Arsenal the next week. That, that really that is a stench. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we're actually, for this bumper edition, um, we, we would like to welcome to the show... Um, a Benfica podcaster. <laughs> hey, Alfredo, so uh, to the bame, I believe is the expression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the bame. Hey. To the bame, amigo. To the bame, amigo. Hey, as, as, thank, you for, thank you for joining us. Um, you are of Talking to the Doll podcast. Can you, we're, we're just intrigued as to, as to what that is, first of all, Talking to the Doll. What, what, what? Well, it's a, it's a Benfica podcast uh, in English for uh, English speakers. Uh, talking to the doll is actually a, a Portuguese expression uh, that basically when somebody's talking, nobody's really paying attention, then you would say, oh, you're talking to the doll because nobody's really paying attention. And since a doll is like an inanimate object, then hence the expression. So that's how it came about. And when I first uh, I first started with a blog, uh, so I didn't know what to name it. Uh, so I figured I would just be writing and nobody would be listening so that's what i named it and then the name stuck and that was it sounds uh sounds a bit like us doesn't it Raj? i think we're talking to the doll quite a few weeks yeah, here on uh, think, on the race. i think that's a phrase we're gonna have to take up <laughs> yeah 
Um, but well, first of all, mate, just I guess domestically, you're you're you're, you're storming it at the moment. I think is it unbeaten in the last twenty domestically? Um, actually, yeah, yeah. We actually lost the first game of the season, and we haven't uh, tasted defeat ever since. That's 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 pretty crazy. Um, how 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 are you? How are you feeling about your chances this year? I saw the the coach today was saying that uh, the the primary focus is still going to be on the league. Um, that you're going to potentially field a, a weakened side against us. Is that is that something that you can uh, see happening? Yeah, um, well, we're feeling pretty good about the chances this year, simply because of of the way the team has been playing. And uh, uh, George Jesus has always had a style of a very gunko style, a very attacking style. And we always used to score tons of goals, but we also used to allow tons of goals. And this year, um, he has gotten a certain chemistry and a certain formation together that the team is uh, is very compact uh, and it defends very well. So we haven't given up a goal, and I think in the last 16 games. Uh, domestically, and so I'm feeling very good about the chances. We have seven points on the second place team with eight games to go, um, and uh, you know just the way the team has been playing well. As far as the Europa League, uh, George Zuz is also forgive me, but I'm used to uh, referring to him as JJ with George Zuz with two J's. But um, he has stressed that the the priority of Benfica this year is the league. We haven't won the league in four years, so the, the primary objective for this year is the league. Uh, the Europa League has kind of taken a back seat to the to the league, and he has rotated some of the squad. And these past uh, this past fixture um, um, against uh, uh, Paok, he, he did uh, use some some players that. Uh, haven't been used as much. And I do anticipate him uh, to be using some of the uh, less used players uh, for this game, but he's still going to approach the game very serious and, and he would like to get the win, obviously, but he's not going to sacrifice uh, the main guys so that he could advance in the Europa League. He wants to get one over Porto more than he does Tottenham, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, Especially after last year. Sorry about that. Especially <laughs> after last year. I think you had one for one for Alfredo, didn't you, Raj? Yeah, I mean, obviously we've heard of Benfica over here in England. You're one of Europe's premier sides. What's the um, the perception of Tottenham in, in in Benfica? And obviously for Portuguese football fans as well, are we a club that you're aware of at all that gets covered be, anywhere or anything? Be, bru- be brutally honest, we can handle it. <laughs> if no you've worry. never heard no, of Tottenham before, then... <laughs> we are... There's a, a certain, uh, and especially in, in, in Portugal, uh, Portuguese people follow the EPL. Uh, they're very in touch with the EPL. Obviously, with AVB going over to Tottenham, uh, there, w- there was something that, uh, you know, got a lot of people's attention. People started following. Uh, and even though he's a Porto man, uh, there was a lot of people rooting for him, hoping for him to do well. Uh, I mean, the perception that we have of, of Spurs is a very good perception. They're a very good team. Of course, they're not in the same league as uh, uh, Manchester United, uh, you know, Chelsea and Arsenal. But, uh, you know, they're up and coming side. And I actually thought that this year they were going to do well because of, of how deep the squad is. Yeah, we we, we were hoping so too. And we're, we're both two very big fans of... Uh 
of AVB. Um, we weren't happy to see him go at all. I personally felt it was the wrong decision. Um, one, of, one of the things that the British media have liked to... Uh, we will go on to our tie against you, but it was just an interesting question. One of the uh, things that the British media have painted out about AVB is that he's a very awkward character, that he's very hard to get along with, um, has been almost, I think, has even been painted as a sociopath by some people. Now, it's not like the British press to over-embellish a story, of course, but <laughs> is there any kind of a shade of that in Portugal? Do people see him as a fairly divisive character? Well, I'll, I'll tell you a, a funny story about AVB, and then you guys can make your own... Uh... <laughs> your own judgment, but uh, AVB uh, started uh, in Portuguese coaching. He was just a, a young kid, and he, uh, Bobby Robson, uh, he coached Porto. So at the time, AVB lived in the same building as Bobby Robson. So uh, AVB, a very young kid, what he used to do is he used to write these whole reports uh, about what Porto was doing wrong, what Porto was doing right, what Bobby Robson used to say, and go ahead and, and put it in Bobby Robson's mailbox in the same building. That's what he used to do. And that's how he got called up, and that's how he, he got in a technical team and, and with Mourinho and stuff, because they were all together. But but you could see that, uh, like, a, a little tiny kid, very young kid, sneaking notes into people's mailboxes. <laughs> so you could tell something by the guy's character. He's a, a determined, a determined young man and focused at least. But we will, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go on to our game. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm particularly terrified uh, um, of of the match we have coming up. Um, I mean, there's 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 quite a few names that, uh, at least from my perspective, um, I've heard of having a, a good season for you. Obviously, we've got Garay, who has been linked with Manchester United quite a lot. Um, You've just well, you've just lost Matic, unfortunately. Um, maybe mm-hmm. fortunately for us, but uh, you seem to have um, Nicholas Gaitan as well, who's having a great year for you, um, and Oscar Cardoso and Rodrigo up front. Um, not to mention, um, is it now? <laughs> is it's it's Juricic, isn't it? Who's the is he is he the next player that's been mentioned with a link to Chelsea? I believe. Uh, it's actually it's actually uh, Markovic. Okay, that's my football knowledge. <laughs> no, that's that's not a problem. Um, Garay has been doing well. He's been solid defense for us all year. Um, he hasn't. I don't believe he got hurt maybe a couple of weeks, but he seems to be back to a hundred percent. It most likely he will play. Uh, Gaitan has just been on a tear this year, and he's been playing out of his skin. Uh, Gaitan has always been a player that's been up and down for us, but uh, this season, and I don't know if it's because he, he's looking for a call-up from Sabella to the Argentinian national team or what, but he's just been playing out of his skin these past month, month and a half. And then up front, it's actually Rodrigo and Lima who have been doing the honors domestically, but uh, I believe that uh, Cardozo will be playing tomorrow. Cardozo has been playing much because he has he suffered an injury, then he kind of fell out of favor with the coach for a more uh, hot Lima and uh, Rodrigo tandem, but uh, he has been getting European games, and he's also had a, a, a quite a remarkable uh, record against British teams, so uh, most likely we'll see Rodrigo, I mean, uh, Cardoso tomorrow. 
And any other players in particular that I, I might have missed out on there that we should really be watching out for? Yeah, you should keep an eye to, uh, for Enzo Perez if he plays tomorrow. That is, that is the heart and soul of this team, is, the, is that man. He plays in the midfield, center midfield, uh, midfield probably Faisa, uh, which is another Serbian that filled in for Matic after Matic left, and Enzo plays ahead of him. And if JJ doesn't save up uh, Enzo, um, it, you guys should definitely keep an eye out for Enzo. What, what, what type of players is he? They're kind of metronomic, like how we used to have with Modric um, and we yeah. failed to replace Yes, he has that. He has that type of influence on the team. He's he's a guy that plays with a lot of heart on both sides of the ball. Uh, he was originally a, a, a right winger and was converted to the to the midfield to center midfielder when we lost uh, Javi Garcia to Man City and uh, uh, Axel Witzel to uh, Zenit, um, and that's when Matic and Enzo uh, stepped into into those roles. And those guys were absolutely crucial in their almost successful campaign last year and this year so far they've been they've been great especially Enzo he's been my MVP of the season Raj yeah um, one of my favorite sides in recent memory um, in European football was the team that you had in 2010 if you remember with with Quim in goal Luis Sao Luis um, Contrao Pereira, Garcia, Di Maria, Ramirez, Aymar, Saviola, Cardoza. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was probably one of the most attractive football insides that, that you that played in Europe at that time. Yeah. How does um how does the current side um like compare to that? Well, that was the last uh, time we won a title was with those guys. And uh, we haven't had... Um, such a, a well-rounded side as we have this year. And I think uh, this side is, is very comparable um, to that side uh, four years ago. Uh, it, I mean, you look at that side, Di Maria, Ramirez, uh, Aymar, all those guys, great players. Of course, we know what yeah. happened with Di Maria, how he went on to Real Madrid and, mm-hmm. and Ramirez also. But I think this year uh, the team is playing very well. And I think they're right at that level. Uh, perhaps not so offensive-minded as that team was, but as a whole, very compact and, and a team that dominates games well. Do you, um, do, you, do you line up in a similar formation then? Is it still the the four three one two as you used to? Um, no, it's 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 actually different. We're, we're it's more of a a, a dynamic um, four four one one. Okay. So you've you've just got um, is it a, a flat banker for that you've got a midfield and then one player behind the striker? Yeah, I mean you could yeah you can interpret it differently. You could also play a four one three one or four one three two. Uh, I mean there's different ways because uh, even though the team has has played sometimes as a four three three, the coach fails to acknowledge that he's actually playing with the four three three because he. He explains it by the, the, the functions of several players, the way they have and the way they line up on the on the field. He says he can't really call it a four three three. So, yeah. um, there's a lot of going in and out with Gaetan and the other winger. We usually play on Markovic, but I don't think we will see him tomorrow. I think we'll see another Serb called Suleimani. Uh, but those guys go in and out of the midfield a lot and to the to the wings a lot. So it's like a carousel. It's it's very interesting to watch. 
Is it is it still uh, Rui Costa that's putting all the, the the club together? Is he still director of football there? He is a director of the football, but he is mainly responsible for acquiring talent. So he's he's because we've got um, Franco Baldini at our club that does a but is supposed to do a similar job of, of mm-hmm. bringing in players. So does he? Because I remember back when because I, I followed that side quite closely, he, he was given a lot of praise along with Jorge Jesus for for bringing in the players and having that sort of side built. Is, is he the one that, that's still, you know, because he's a club legend at Benfica, isn't he? Is he still a prominent yeah. figure there? Yeah, he's a very prominent figure. And when he first took over the role, right, after reti- he retired, uh, he actually uh, as- assumed the role of sporting director but as a, as a liaison between the coach and the president. But then uh, he kind of stepped back, and uh, not too long ago, we learned from the president that Rui Costa is actually um, the one responsible for all the acquisitions and the talent scouting. So essentially, you're, the way you play is exciting, dynamic, you're well-organized, and you're, you're ruthless in attack, and you're tight in defense, whereas Spurs yep. are... We're we're a bit all over the place, aren't we, Raj? So this this will be an exciting uh, exciting game for us, I think, or at least an exciting couple of fixtures. Um, what what what's your what's your prediction, Alfredo, over the two legs? I think that that we will approach the game at White Hart Lane with caution. Um, I I think that maybe we'll we'll play more of a controlling game, not so much an, an offensive game. And um, I think uh, we'll do whatever needs to be done in Lisbon to get through if that's our our priority. If we feel that uh, stepping into the next round is accessible to us and the result that we bring from England is favorable, then we, we'll do what we can at the start of the lose. But I don't anticipate Benfica to be overly aggressive at a white hard lane tomorrow. Well, there's, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of things for me. I'm hoping, although it was... Before my lifetime, I'm hoping there's a part of us that can avenge Benfica knocking us out of the 1962 European Cup semi-final because that, that followed our year and we won this historic double, first team this century to do it in the in the UK, and we were I think we were seen as one of the best teams in Europe, if not the world, at that point. Um, but you you stopped us on our march to the to the <laughs> European Cup, now Champions League. So it'd be nice to avenge that, and also the fact that our arch-rivals, Arsenal, have modelled their Emirates Stadium on yours as well. Um, so it'd be, nice, <laughs> it'd be nice to get a result out there. Um, but of course, of course, for the fact that we'd like to see Spurs win. But uh, thank, thank you very much for, for, for giving us your time this evening as well, or today for you, as, it, as oh, it you're in the States at the moment, isn't it, Alfredo? Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. Muito obrigado, I should say. There you go. <laughs> uh, de, de nada. Yeah, hey, thank you very much, Rick. All right, that was our friend. I can't believe I went into uh, into British Man Abroad saying, hello, mutoi obrigado, sir. You know, I, I did that, didn't I? It was a bit of fucking Eurovision, to be honest, mate. I was just trying to be accommodating and nice. The guy lives in America, I know, but, you know, whatever. <clears throat> I still I still flex my Portuguese muscle. So That's what... a euphemism, isn't it? Might well be, might well be. Um, would be if Andre was still with us, but no. Um, quite interesting to see. I, I, I honestly, I don't want to go on about it too much, but you know my thoughts on this Benfica match, mate. I think we are gonna get destroyed. Maybe not on the lane, but over the two legs, I can just see it being a canter for them personally. 
Well, um, we'll soon see. I think um, off air we just had a quick word with him, and hopefully um, we'll, we'll do something similar again on next week's show just to to you know cross the tie between the two legs because uh, first time we've had a European guest on, and he was obviously knew a lot about his own club and was um, very good to talk to. So if we can work out times and everything with with him over there, then uh, we'll try and get him on again. Cool, yeah. Put it, keep it in your pants though. Next time, Roger. None of that fanboy. I love Portuguese men crap that you. you I know, didn't you do come out I think the only fanboyish thing I did was manage to, off the top of my head, reel out the first eleven from 2010, which I was very pleased with. Myself. That was pretty good. That was pretty decent, to be fair. I didn't even um, have to Google it or nothing. They were they were fantastic to watch. If you have a look back at that that team that won the title in 2010, they were they were outstanding. That David Luiz Ramirez, you know. Maria that's about they, they, they essentially got picked apart and bought like most clubs do these days by you know vulturous bigger clubs but they were they were amazing to see all right well good for them but, um <laughs> <speaking> <laughs> them, you don't really give a shit do you <laughs> no speaking of horrible red clubs in horrible red kits in horrible plastic soulless corporate horrible red stadiums we know all about them and they're, they're here. They've landed. I, I hate Chelsea, but also there's a special there's a special place in the pits of my own personal hell reserved for these smelly, horrible bastards. Bring on the Arsenal. <laughs> Hello. Uh, welcome back to the show, Mr. Carnage and Mr. Jeff Arsenal. How are you doing, boys? Good I'm very well, thank you very much, sir. Hope you guys are well. Oh, loving it. Loving life in N17. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, well, I, I don't really know where to start proceedings tonight, lads. Um, let's let I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Let's 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 jump in straight away. Meza Oizel, what's going on there? What's going on with your pronunciation of his verse? First and all, what's Meza Oizel? What's Oizel in it? Oh, uh, oh, sorry. Okay, Meza Oizel. What's what's happening to the lad? Oizel sounds like you're from New York. <laughs> Well, I have to say he's been uh, hung out to dry by the media and uh, some critics and some pundits overnight. I think um, he's had, for me, in his first season at Arsenal, quite an encouraging year. He uh, He's played a lot of football, uh, more football than he's probably ever played in recent years. And at Real Madrid, he didn't complete many games. I don't know if people are aware of that. Uh, and of course, he was surrounded by much better players, much more, many more outlets. I think this year he suffered by not having the likes of Walcott to, to feed in and, and Ramsey, who is one of our few midfielders who kind of runs in behind defenders. Um, and of course, last night, uh, the, the Bayern Munich game, he did his hamstring in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, but failed to inform the medical staff and decided to play on. I think purely because he was in Germany, purely because he's got so many of his international teammates on the pitch. He, he probably just didn't want the humiliation of being subbed off 10, 15 minutes in. And, and that's, he wouldn't have been humiliated, but that's probably just the way he thought. So because he played on, he didn't have an impact on the game and, and he's literally just been hung out to dry today. So uh, today's been quite a, a weird day for Arsenal fans trying to just like defend him on all, all social media platforms. Jeff, what do you think about Ozil? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I think I share your, everything that you said uh, FK, to be honest with you, I, I don't see what the problem is. You know, he, he's, he's a lad that's obviously coming to the Premier League. You see at the start that um, 
although he's got that tremendous ability, you know, sometimes he was getting knocked off the ball quite easily, and you can see him getting up thinking, fuck me, what happened there, you know? But uh, oh, I think I think he's a world-class player, I really do. And you'll see the best of him next season. I don't I don't really understand what the what the problem is, why everyone's asking questions. I don't I don't understand it. Now, I think it's I think people like to they like to jump on kind of young, especially foreign players a lot in the Premier League. They'll often do all that kind of how's he gonna play on a cold night in Stoke as as you did with Zlatan Ibrahimovic the other day, FK I saw and you got you got a response, didn't you? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I did. He, he did this whole dare to Zlatan thing, and everyone was sort of asking him things like, "Oh, how do I finish like you? How do I grow my hair like you? How do I do this like <laughs> you?" And I'm just like, "Mate, can you do it on a cold, wet, and windy night in Wigan?" And to be fair to the boy, he came back to me and said, uh, "Wet, windy, and dangerous sounds like my kind of night." So I was really pleased. That he was did he? Oh, did he come back to you? Yeah? He did. Yeah. And then, but oddly. Yeah. Jack, I, I don't know if you noticed, but that was the one tweet that he deleted. So he came back to me, Jack. Maybe it's said, maybe it's because it's a bit rude. Maybe. I, I don't know. Oh, maybe he's maybe PSG just got, or maybe his agent just thought, "What the hell are you doing?" Um, because a lot of people screenshot it and a lot of people sent it to me, so I was quite happy to capture it, Jeff. But yeah, I was really amazed that he kind of responded back. But going back to Urzel, I think um, also a lot of the criticism comes from people that don't necessarily watch. Uh, 90 minutes of Arsenal every week and people you know you see the highlights on match of the day and it's always just the goals the assists the goals that you concede and you know tackles and fouls and sendings off but if you actually watch what he does with the game and how he brings people into play and how he glides with the ball he's just such a top top player a player that you know we're just so blessed to have much, playing for Arsenal Football Club much like brilliant. we had with Luka Modric it's a, it's a similar comparison I would say then when uh, like you say you watch match of the day and you don't actually see them, yeah, have a have an amazing assist or score a screamer from thirty five mm. yards. You instantly think, no, they haven't played that well. But yeah, when you're actually watching the whole game and you see what they do, that metronomic effect they have on the team, it's it's brilliant. But the the only thing I did want to ask you guys about um, is that yeah, I, I I wasn't having a pop at the lad. He's obviously a very very skillful player. Um, but there there are still some question marks about his attitude, no, because that did haunt him a bit at Real. And there was that little thing with the, the BFG at the start of the season, as you like to call him, when he sort of wagged his finger at him and had a bit of a go at him. Are there any lingering doubts about his kind of his fight or his his minerals, as it were? I, I don't think so. I, I just think he's that... He's one of them type of laid-back players, you know. Um, he, he doesn't really chase around. He doesn't. He doesn't make himself look busy, if you get what I mean. But I mean, he does get up and down the pitch. There's no doubt about that. And you, he always seems to have an extra few seconds when he receives the ball because he makes time and space for himself. And I, I don't. I mean, he's got that little bit of a lazy tag. But again. You know, in Madrid, the game was a lot slower. He's had to adapt when he's come to the uh, to the Premier League. And he's slowly getting there. We've had that with a few players that's come over. You know, I remember Perez, Bobby Perez, the great Bobby Perez, that's ruined you a few times. That he, um, <laughs> he, he, no, he took time to settle, you know. And he, he, he found it hard at first. It took him about a season and a half. And I think we're seeing the same with, um, with, with, with Mesut Ozil. I really do. Uh, FK? Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, you have to, people have to realise what sort of a player Ozil is and why Arsenal bought him. We didn't bring him to, to come in and sit behind the midfield or sit in front of the back four and graft all day long. He, he, he was brought in as a, as a luxury player, as that Rolls-Royce player, to basically try and create things at the other end of the field. And every time he gets on the ball... 
the fans stand up, you expect, you're excited, and he and he does things for the team. So, and I don't buy the whole notion of you know his, his, his laziness because I think statistics recently, just because of the focus he's had, have shown that in games he's often the third or fourth um, furthest distance covered uh, player. So he's obviously getting some mileage in the whole finger pointing thing, Jack, that you said, that you brought up with. Uh, Per Murdersacker at Manchester City. Uh, that was obviously a devastating day at the office. I don't think Ozil's ever been on the on the end of a of a, of a thumping by six. But um, I think that was more. <laughs> Neither of you, of course. Um, but but the, the 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 thing is, I don't think it was because of that. I think he just genuinely wasn't aware of the culture that you know doesn't matter win, lose or draw. You've got to go and applaud your travelling fans. And maybe it's just something that they're not used to in either Germany or Spain. And Mertesacker just, you know, he's sort of done him over in public. And even that's quite nice to see because you come with a price tag, you come with a reputation, bottom line, uh, that shouldn't really make any difference. Everybody's equal when you're on that pitch. So uh, I've got, I got no problem with that at all. And and if anything, I know a lot was, a lot was made about that, but Mertesacker and Ozil, they, you know, they've known each other for years. If anyone if anyone's going to do Ozil in, it's going to be Mertesacker. I've got no problem with it at all. I've got to say, speaking of Mertesacker, one thing I did find quite funny, and this is like, this is like when fairly sort of naive people, like mums or something, use social media. Because um, I don't think this was intentional. I don't know if you guys saw the other day, um, <laughs> Murtasaka visited like the opening of a new library in Islington. And this isn't a joke about your you know, lack of atmosphere at the Emirates or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, he, was, uh, he was opening it up and they put this picture of him out holding a book, which happened to be Roald Dahl's The BFG, and they tweeted it out being like, and we've got a special guest today reading one of his favourite books. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, I, I, was, I was fairly certain that he was doing that tongue-in-cheek, knowing that the fans would all have a laugh about it. But this sort of, like, you know, you can imagine this dormousey librarian thinking, oh, this will be quite nice to put this picture out of him doing that and probably being mortified when she found out what it meant. But I don't know if you've seen it or not, but you should have a look. Maybe you have to be there. <laughs> Um, no, 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 we've seen it. It's, it's, you've it's, seen it. It's gone around the internet. Oh, it's, it's good spirit. I'll tell you one thing, the German lads at Arsenal, they certainly know how to play up to um, the social media. I don't know if you uh, agree with that, Jeff, but Podolsky seems to be a master of saying the right things at the right time on Twitter. And I, I, I tell you, I've seen Podolsky's, uh, his pop song that he did earlier on in the summer. That was no, that, that I've not seen. That was a joy to behold. The Germans are really, really good around the training ground. They're really, really upbeat and they play, they fuck around and have a joke and everything else. There's plenty of banter going on. And uh, so that's really, really good, you know? Yeah, we've always been told that they're sort of like dour, humorless people. But again, same Stefan Freund at Tottenham. He seems like one of the sort of life and souls of it before he kind of got relegated. Yeah, Lewis Holtby as well. Before we got um, rid of him. Yeah, before we got rid of him, of course. Um, but what what do you make of Oizil, Raj, just before we move on? Can you say his fucking name possibly first? I'm chewing an ice cube at the moment, mate. That's, that's my excuse. Ozil. <laughs> er, yeah, what do you make of Ozil? Um, I agree with what they say. Um, you can see why Madrid sold him now. Modric is pretty much running that side from where he is and the the manner in which they're playing <laughs> means. He, he is. Do you watch Madrid? Luka Modric is yeah. fantastic. I, I right. it, just, it just doesn't sound right. Modric is running Real Madrid. That's it, it, it doesn't just, sound right, but it's true. Yeah, he's a top player. He he's, is a top player. He's unbelievable. Shame um, he doesn't play for Tottenham anymore, though, isn't it? It's, really? it's a massive shame. Moving, moving swiftly on from that. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, they've got a couple of RX lads that are doing really well out there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he's, he'll do well in time. I mean, 
obviously the knee jerking is going to happen on you know British media. We're, we're used to that. I mean, it almost echoes the way in which they treated AVB. To be honest, you know, young, foreign, very talented. Um, they're obviously going to be a bit sceptical of him. They don't like that sort of thing. <laughs> they're going to get on his back. But um, I mean. He, he, he's he's shown flashes of what he can do, and it will sure settle in. I mean, you're completely right in saying that he's he's probably never played this amount of football before, especially not this intensity and the amount of pressure that's on him at Arsenal. Being probably yeah. one of your most important players. I mean, Ramsey probably took a bit of the the pressure off him at the start of the year, but um, he's he's he'll, he'll grow into the role, and he, he's still yet young, so it'll get better. And um, once he's used to the league, he'll be fine. Unfortunately. Um, so, lads, I, I wanted to ask, because it's, it's a fairly desolate place, Tottenham support at the moment. We're, uh, we're not a happy bunch. What's, uh, what's the mood like in the, in the Arsenal camp? Well, I, I, think, it's, I think it's fairly good. Um, I, think all, I think the majority of Arsenal fans at the start of the season would have thought that we had an outside chance of winning the league. Anyone that was saying that we were favourites for it and is now disappointed because we're outsiders I suppose is just kidding themselves we were always outsiders like that for the league on Arsenal TV that cried the other day you mean <laughs> hey football's an emotional game he got quite passionate and, and, and to <laughs> be fair he cried on TV yeah, to be fair this is just the way he is I'm sure he's not the only fan that's done that but um going back to what the mood's like I mean uh, we were outsiders we still are uh, we're still in it uh, with an outside chance and of course now we're going to Wembley for uh, the FA Cup semi-final. And I think that there is a sense of optimism around the club. I think people are generally quite happy. It's the Bayern Munich tie we lost in the first leg, the red card killed us. I'm not, not blaming Robin. No ill feeling towards him. It happens. you just got to get on with it. Um, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, just taking off my Tottenham hat, he is a cheating bastard, though. Is, Those dives. The, so. reality, the reality is, Jack, that it's part of the game now. So, um, uh, you know, we can sit and moan about, you know, if FIFA should do this and they should ban that but the reality is divers are prevalent in football now it's part of the game i'm not saying it's a good thing but you just have to accept it. you can't just keep moaning about it and it's it's similar to the to the to the whole arsenal get beaten off the park physically at certain games well you know we know it's going to happen you know you're going to get kicked it's about time we sort of just give as good as we get really so um but it, it to, to answer your question the mood though i think is is, is quite optimistic and wembley's just our oh, happy days don't you have that frustration though? When you when you look at it, you look at where you were in January, where you've been for most of the season, which is top of the table. That you know they they spent that money on Özil um, in in the summer. They would have just taken one more investment to you know to kind of just push something through to get someone else up front at least, and you could have probably really made crack of it for the title. Um, I mean, what what is the thinking behind it? Because you've got the money now. The money is there. And, who, like, again, who do you... Because I know we touched on this in the first time we spoke to you, but who do you attribute the blame to? Is it the board or is it Wenger? That, because, I mean, I, I, and I'm honestly, I'm not just saying this to have a knock. I personally don't rate Giroud that highly. I think he's a, I think he's a good player and I think he can... He's, he's a great finisher when he wants to, but... He just doesn't strike me as that that match winner. He, you know, he was bought to replace Van Persie, and he's just not he's not on that level for me at all. And yeah, few players are, but you're you're still a club with a size that can attract players like that. And I, I just I fail to understand why you don't do that. Why you why you aren't pushing for those 
really big signatures. The people like Cavani, you know, when he was maybe going from Napoli, um, and why he didn't push harder to get Suarez, for example, when it seemed like you were just kind of on the edge of being able to get him. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, we've had a, we had a fantastic start to the season. And like you say, we was top of the league for uh, mo- the most part of it, the first part of the season. Um, unfortunately, I believe that he, he does want to record. Obviously, it's quite obvious that he wants to, he wants to get a new centre forward in that can score your goals. But if there's not one available, Jack, that, you know, it's very difficult to get them. And I don't think Arsenal are a club that can just go and spend 20 or £25 million on, a, on another punt. I think he really wants to uh, keep the money and spend big money maybe in the summer and get the right, the right player in that can get you 25 or 30 goals a season. So I think it was, it was not for the want of trying. It was just about who was out there, <clears throat> pardon me, at that particular time. But, you know, at the end of the season... Uh, if we haven't won anything and, you know, we are only in the top four. I mean, I think it's a fantastic achievement to get into the top four. Um, a lot of people... All right, stop rubbing out. it in. Stop no, no, I'm not. No, I, I, do, I do. I think it's <laughs> no, a great no. achievement. <clears throat> a lot of the, I mean, 50% of the Arsenal fans, as we speak, want Arsene Wenger gone. That's us, you know, being in contention for this long and uh, in the FA Cup semi-final. I mean, if Arsenal fuck it up this year, it's, it'll be incredible, really, because if, if we've ever had a great chance to win an FA Cup under the pressure that we've had over the last eight or nine years to win a, a cup, now is the time. And if if, if we fail this time, it'll be, oh, I don't know what'll happen. But, you know... Um, I think it's been a it's been a great season so far. I think the mood getting into the cup final is good, but like I say, there's as half the crowd who want Arsene Wenger out, half of them wants to foul. Incredibly, honestly, they, they, you know they, they, they've got that mad thing in there. They want to be proved correct just for the sake of it, rather than have the club successful. I know, I know exactly what you mean, mate. We found the same with AVB. You'd you'd actually have fans, you know, supposed Tottenham fans coming out and saying, I hope we lose today so people can see how shit AVB is. And you think, you're mad. Whatever whatever you think about the manager, how can you want your team to lose? How can you... Yeah. It is unbelievable, isn't it? It's true. But we get it all the time. I see it on, on, on my timeline quite a lot. You, you know, and I, I'm just amazed by it, mate. I'll tell you what, though, FK, because I've seen you, you've been talking a lot about you, and rightly so, um, talking about your excitement of going back to Wembley to potentially lifting the FA Cup. And I do have to ask you again, you know, what is it? it's been eight years now since you've won anything, but you've consistently finished in the top four. If someone could say to you now, you'll finish outside the top four, but win the FA Cup this year, just this year, you know, we're not talking about next year, whatever, but this year, if, say, you were to finish fifth and whatever, not even if it's Spurs that finish fourth, if it's Man United finish fourth instead of you, but you could win the FA Cup, would you take it? Yeah, it's such a horrible question. Look, I, I, I'm, I've been craving a trophy for eight, nine years now. Um if someone had really put that on a plate to me and said, look, you could win the FA Cup this year if you just forego Champions League for one season, I think the stage where we're at, and just to get the monkey off our back and also just to just to maybe G up the Arsenal fans, those that are in the R sent out, you know, sort of camp or the, the ones that are losing patience with the club, then I probably would take the FA Cup over Champions League. That said, we've only got where we have... Uh, financially, stability-wise, the player-wise, etc., because of the Champions League and the revenues that we get through that. So, 
it's a difficult one, but I, I, yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to win the FA Cup, right? But, but to be honest, that shouldn't be the question. The question should, I mean, Arsenal Football Club should be challenging for the top four and the FA Cup as a bare minimum every year. The fact that we get close or don't win it, that's that's another argument altogether, but that they should be our objectives. I don't think it should be one or the other, but given, you know, if you're playing devil's advocate, Jack, then um, I think this year, given the circumstances, I probably would choose the FA Cup. How about you, Jeff? Yeah. No, nowhere near it, mate. There is nothing, in my opinion, uh, maybe I'm sport because I'm not being funny, but I've seen a lot of, trophy wins at Arsenal been to Wembley a few times I've been going since 1971 so I've seen us win a few trophies there's a lot of the younger boys that you know the, over the last nine years they've really really grown up with Arsenal that uh, haven't seen us and they, they're, they're craving for that trophy which I understand but for me mm. there is absolutely nothing like the European Knights I know we'll keep on getting dumped out in the fifth round for the last three or four years uh, but that's obviously due to the circumstances I think we will progress as of next year we'll go into the later stages um, but no no one in the world would I would, would I, I I would love a trophy don't get me wrong but I wouldn't want to give up the Champions League for the for the FA Cup Jeff, and the only reason you, we yeah go on Raj uh, did you know that the Tottenham have actually reached a Champions League quarterfinal in more distant recent memory than you <laughs> yeah have? yeah yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, and you played very well as well. But, you know, unfortunately you went out. It's difficult, the Champions League, isn't it? Yeah. It's difficult to get back into it to, to start with, as you've obviously found along the way, you know? Well, we can, uh, thank, we can thank those fuckers Chelsea for that one. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. very true. Very true. I've got to disagree with you, Jeff. I think, I, don't get me wrong, the European nights under the floodlit arena at the Emirates is amazing. Yeah, the Barcelona's, the, the AC Milan's, who doesn't want to see those games? But a day out at Wembley for the FA Cup final, Jeff, it's, it's, almost, it's almost as if we've forgotten how that feels like. And, and I think maybe, I know, you, you know, you, you've, you've supported Arsenal for a little bit longer than I have and you've been to various cup finals and all that kind of stuff. But if you had the chance of going to Wembley to win the FA Cup over a quarterfinal night against AC Milan, you'd pick the cup final, surely. Well, it's, no, it's not the point of that. It's that we won't be... Uh, uh, we're sacrificing a, a, a Champions League place for the season afterwards. I wouldn't want to do that, mate. Honestly, I really wouldn't. I would, I would want to be in the Champions League every single season. The only reason why we haven't really competed in the FA Cup is because we haven't really wanted to compete properly in it. We've put a, 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 a weakened team out in more or less every single round in previous seasons. Yeah, but I, this, I think we can empathise with you there. Like, I mean, that's like why Spurs don't want to compete in the league or the, the <laughs> FA Cup or the <laughs> Europa League. Anything. We just, yeah, do you know what I mean? We just want to. We just don't really want to focus our attention anywhere. We just kind of want to. Uh, have Tim Sherwood as our manager. You lot must... You look, uh, uh, it's the elephant that's in the room. You lot must fucking love that. You must just love that we've got a gooner in charge at the moment. I, I, I'm, I'm happy. You've got a PE teacher in charge. That's more <laughs> rather, than, rather, than, rather than the gooner, you know? Bless him. Good job, all right. Don't, don't be... He's um he's I don't know whether you've seen <clears throat> I I, tw- I, I I tweeted out the John Sitton uh, YouTube videos and I can I don't know whether you've seen him in the past. Have you seen the John Sitton? Uh, the, the old we'll come in here, we'll have a proper sorter and you'll need to bring your fucking dinner, that one. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you'll because the time I'm finished, you'll fucking need it. Uh, yeah, that one. And I can see Tim, he's he's on the his, his last press conference, wasn't it? Uh the yeah. weekend. He was 
borderline. He, he would he would like to really break out to a, a proper full blast John Sitton moment. Oh, it was funny, mate. It's fine. But you know what? I feel sorry for him, really, because he ain't qualified to do the job. And if, and Levy's really stuck him in there. And he, I don't know whether he's going to be a manager, is he? You know, he's, he's no doubt he's a decent coach, you know, but I don't know whether he's going to be a manager, especially at a, a, a big club like Tottenham Hotspur at the moment. I just, I just don't know if he's got the temperament. He seems to be showing it a bit at the moment, but... Yeah, very true. Very, I'm, very true. I'm just surprised that you guys let ABB go, given that he spent so much money... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And he just wasn't given time to gel the team together. People often forget, and Arsenal, I remember Arsenal got absolutely hung out to dry for this for saying that you know they spent a lot of money and that it does take time to gel the players and 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 actually he was right avb should have been given at least a year with you know he spent 100 million pounds i mean how do you guys feel about avb being gone and and in tim sherwood just just my own sort of like throw my thoughts into the ring he just reminds me of of a builder you know like coming around your house giving you a quote for a job i just he he just he 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 doesn't look the part he doesn't sound the part he doesn't I don't know. He, you I just think. Part of you not seeing his club shop gilet? Yeah, his gilet is <laughs> is no, no. Like no Sartori, right. you, you need to read more GQ, mate, because um, those club shop gilets on the front cover. No, but honestly, it's just I did, the interview after the Chelsea game. It was just. It's like he was just lost for words. He didn't really know what to say, and you know, you wouldn't see a manager of a of a club of that kind of stature you know, sort of breaking down like that. I think he, he was just, I don't know. I I, just, I think the writing's on the wall. I think he knows that he, uh, Levy's going to replace him in the summer. I think you're going to get a bigger fish. Um, I just don't think he's the right man for the job. But whatever happens, you know, I hope he doesn't turn up on Sunday and, and, and do us over. No, you know, I've got to say, though, um, as I was saying to Raj before we started uh, recording, um, the, the one thing that, whether or not he's staying or he's going, the one thing I did appreciate that about that was how Frank... And honest, he was. I know people say it's 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 not professional, and arguably it's not. But I think we're at a point in our season now where there are quite a number of players that we have in our shirt that aren't fit to wear it. They're not, and they're not. They haven't pulled their weight, and that's pretty much why we've had such a stop-start season. You look at AVB, you look at Show, two completely different managers, but still, you got the same names not turning up. He's still got the same lack of design, the same lack of fight. Um, I think what's what's hardest and what's most galling at the moment as a Spurs fan is that 
it's that sort of lack of identity we seem to have at the moment. Um, where I've always, I've always, and don't get me wrong, I'm still looking forward to this to Derby. I love these games. Like it's, it's, it's sort of the first game I look for every single season. But at the same time, even even this, like beating you, if we do, it'll be it'll be great. But I, I haven't got that same sort of buzz where like where we have done the the past few seasons where we've gotten a lot closer. Um, and there's been a, there's been a real kind of competitive edge, not just because it's a derby, but because we're so close in the league and we're so aspirationally close, I guess, or at least we're getting closer to you. It just feels like this year we have gone backwards again, um, and it's harder to get that same kind of buzz around it. And to be honest, I'm fearing the worst. I, th- I think you guys are going to beat us this weekend. I'm going to say that now. I do. I do think so. Um, I don't know. What you? We'll we'll go on to the game itself. I mean, Jeff, how do you see it going, mate? Well, you know what? As I've said this before, overnight, the the North London derby doesn't matter where you are in the league. It's always a tight, tight old affair, especially at White Hart Lane, um, where you've done quite well recently against us. Where we had the we had it over you for 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 many years, didn't we? Um, I I still think it's going to be really tight. It's all. It's just so so tense. The pressures, you know on both teams to, to win for the for the fans and the support. Um, I do think we'll nick it, though. I think we'll win 2-1. I'm hoping we'll win 2-1 anyway. But it's going to be tight, and there'll be a little bit of blood spilled, I should imagine. <laughs> what about you, FK? Uh, I've got to be honest with you. I, I, I don't enjoy these games when, when we... Uh, let me go away to your place. Um, as in, I don't enjoy watching them whilst they're on. After the final whistle, more often than not, I'm very happy, very satisfied, very relieved. But um, I, I think, because, given the way that you collapsed really against Chelsea and you had such bad luck, and given the way that Sherwood's come out and you know completely lambasted your players, and I think Benfica could could take a lot out of your out of your legs this Thursday. But I, I just, I, obviously, I really hope we go there and get the result. But Spurs recently at White Hart Lane have caused us a few problems. And I know you haven't got bail anymore, but it's a North London derby. Form goes out the window and we've we've had a few injuries now. You know, obviously, we've obviously lost Ozil. I still fancy us to win. I still think we can edge it. But I think it, I think it could be one of those really sort of open games. We've had a couple of like three threes in recent years as well. I mean, it could just be, it could be like a three-two either way type job, you know. I, I, I just... Yeah, it's, it's so difficult to call a winner out of these games. If we were at home, I'd have said to you right now, yeah, fairly comfortable, should be three points, no real problem. But it's just because it's away from home, it means obviously a lot more to you lot than it does to us. And I just... Oh, don't don't give us that one, okay? <laughs> don't give us that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I just, I don't know, I... I, I um. I'm not as optimistic as, uh, or sorry, not optimistic. I'm not as uh, confident as I would be if it was uh, at home or, or given the situation. But hopefully, we can edge it. So we'll go. To, we'll go to a few of our listener questions because we have actually had a few well, semi-constructive ones. Um, we've got one from at Unfit for Purpose who says, "If you could convince Arsene to spend some fucking money, how would you like him to fucking spend it?" And that's that's verbatim. Uh, yeah. I'll go on. I'll go first. Um, yeah. I'd, 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 I'd go and tempt Liverpool with maybe seventy million pounds for Luis Suarez, and buy a defensive midfield player, and maybe a flying winger, and then I think we'll compete on all fronts. 
I really, really do. That's where I'd spend it. So it must, might cost a, it might cost one hundred and fifty million pounds, but they've got it. They've got it in the bank. So why not spend it? Tell me, I can tell you personally, spending upwards of hundred mil doesn't guarantee success, mate. So yeah, yeah. it's true. That's true. <laughs> you yeah. know, people people keep going on about that spending one hundred million. You did sell Bale, to be fair, for about ninety, and he was your heartbeat last season. So, you know, it's not that your net spend wasn't. Mate, in, in twelve years, our net spend is seven hundred k. Just you know, that's that's mm. it's almost almost as. What, what's the coup cool with Lamela? What is happening with Lamela? Is he still at the club or is he on? I'd I'd love to know, mate. I'd love to Retired. know. He's, he's apparently been injured, but then other people are saying he's not injured. Uh, I I don't know. There's a there's there's certain in his conference schools. that he was injured. Mm. I mean, what uh, what what has been said by uh, a, a couple of people? Um, it was quite recently by a journalist who's very close to the club. Is that Quite simply, since the the club got him in, they took him in on the word of Franco Baldini. And since he's actually come to the club, they they are actually worried that he is almost embarrassingly subpar. This is what was intimated um, in 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 that since he he's and this is why Franco Baldini's job is kind of up in the air at the moment because we've brought in the likes of Soldado who. To be fair, I think there's a, a bit more there than just kind of adapting to another country. Um, but especially with the likes of Lamela, who is our record signing, thirty million pounds. So just take that in. Not much, not much less than what you've paid for Özil. Um, that he's kind of come in and in training, not even looked as good as the likes of Chadley, Townsend, players like this, who he's supposed to be walking all over. Um, so that there's a real kind of why? Why is, is why is Baldini still in the job in that case then? Because that's, that's thirty million pound is a, a hell of a lot of money for a player like that, isn't it? He, he might not be for much longer, mate. That's that's another one that we're going to see how that plays out in the next few weeks. But uh, yeah. I mean, we really don't know. I mean, Lamella, he's, when he has come on in the odd few, the, the odd glimpses we've had of him, he's kind of he's looked like yeah, you know, he's got a good touch, he's got decent vision, he looks like he could be quite tricky. Maybe a bit knocked off the ball a bit easily, maybe not as fast as he'd hope, but he's got the makings of a very good player. And you look at how he was in Italy and he looked fantastic. He looked like a great player. But then you look at how Giovinio's done in Syria. And, yeah, it's true. You know, you, you, you kind of have to worry. But I tell you, FK, I mean, if you're, if you're looking to make a signing, mate, um, I know you're, you're short of options up front. There's this Spanish lad. Yeah, if you've got about 25 mil to spare... Um, Slaws. I know you like souls at uh, at, at, <laughs> at Arsenal. Um, Sol Soldado, I think he's called. He might it might be worth a pun. No, no, no Loldado, they're calling it, man. No, I, I think I think we do we do we do have a a liking for 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 souls, but I think Soldado's maybe one soul too far. I think um, I think I would agree with Jeff to answer your question we need we obviously need that world-class ruthless clinical striker that's gonna make goals out of nothing be the match winner take a game by the scruff of the neck and and see you through games when you're not playing so well um i would probably disagree with jeff and i don't think we need a dm a defensive midfielder i think it would be nice to get one i think we can probably get another year out of flamini and arteta and obviously wilshire and ramsey I would love to see an explosive winger, and I mean a proper old school, someone who comes in, you know, not even about tricks, just someone who's got explosive pace, runs at defenders all day long, um, you know, the overmars, the that, that kind of, that type of style play, you know, cuts in and just shoots and shoots and shoots, that's the sort of player I want. And I think, obviously, we'll, 
We'll need to be looking for a backup goalkeeper because uh, Fabianski looks to be leaving on a free transfer. Um, and maybe, maybe a right back if uh, Sanya doesn't stay. So th- those would be my additions. What about, uh, about old Oxley Chamberlain? He's, he's looking like a proper little player. Yeah, he's he's just brilliant. I mean, again, he's another one of those players that we bought uh, so young and he's kind of been hampered with injuries. Development's been a bit stifled because of limited game time. But you can't argue this year. I mean, every time he comes on, he he just looks explosive. He takes the ball. He's so direct. He's quick. He's, he's fearless almost, you know, and he's a very strong boy. Um, he's showing versatility as well. I mean, he plays out right, plays out left, you know, drops deep, goes in the middle. Uh, he's he, he really is kind of like developing into a fine player. I, I still think it's early days. I don't want to get too carried away and say, you know, he's going to be the next big thing. Um, but, you know, certainly so, so pleased with the way that he's come on this year. And it's a shame, actually, that he missed the first four or five months because, again, like we touched at the start of the show with Ozil, um, you know, we've needed those outlets. And, you know, the fact that Walcott and the Oxford were were missing and overlapped each other with injury... Uh, it's just it's just a massive shame. So he looks a real, real player. Really pleased for him. So we've got we've got a good question here from Jim. Uh, his Twitter handle is at Stylish Riot, um, and he says, "How much do you hate Chelsea? And is it different to your hatred of Spurs?" He says, "I.e., I hate Arsenal, um, but I hate Chelsea in a different way. I can respect Arsenal for their ethos and identity." but I can never respect the money scum. I, I totally agree with that. I, I honest to God, <clears throat> maybe it's because um, it's different for you guys because you hate Arsenal because where well, you've suffered a lot over the last 20 years. And I'm not chipping away at you, but I can't imagine the, 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 you know, the, the build-up uh, of what it is. But I felt the same over the last eight or ten years eight years with regards to Chelsea. I live a, uh, half a mile away from the stadium and I, they walk past my window every weekend and I can see them and they're, they're glum faces where they've, you know, they've won one nil or something like that. Or, you know, and, and the, the, the team bus goes past my door. Do you know, the, uh, the, the open top bus tour and all that goes straight past my door. Is very, that for, very... the, for the fourth place trophy? No, yeah, we, we, whatever they've won over the past few years, you know, and they've fluked the, they've fluked the Champions League. So I hate Chelsea more than I hate Tottenham, only because they, they keep on winning things and we're struggling. And But, you know, our thing over you guys, it don't hurt me because uh, we've been so much more dominant than you over the last 20 years. Again, I'm not having a chip. I'm sorry about that, boys. I'm not having a chip, but I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know what's really interesting? It's such a great, great question because I was talking about this in the office just today and um, I, I've got to agree with Jeff. I mean, I hate Spurs, don't get me wrong. You know, I hate... Oh, there's just so... There's, there's so much that I hate, I dislike what's about Tottenham. What's hate, mate? You know, we've got all these friendly oh, players. Mate, it's just, got, oh, it's just, just the, the delusion, the, the ground, the fans, everything about Tottenham. What's I just, not talking nothing... about Whiteout, Oh, mate, it's just a dump, honestly. It's, and... Sorry, man. I, I am having a dig, and I'm openly admitting it. I just just don't like it. But um, at least it's got a bit of heart. Okay, I'm sorry, mate. At least at least it's got a bit of soul. You know, come on, you lot. You lot cannot say the Emirates has got a patch on Highbury at all. Not yet. 
not yet. High, high, Highbury was just magic. I mean, I, I grew up obviously going to Highbury, and nothing will, nothing will ever replace that. The most amazing what memories. Do you mean of nothing will ever replace that? There's a nice block of flats that's replaced it quite well. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Raj. But no, I think I think the Emirates will, will grow in time. But to answer your question about Chelsea, I think it's not even so much Jeff about their success recently. It's just it's just the way they've gone about their business. Um, you know, you can respect. Levy and the way that he runs his Tottenham, sorry, the one that the way that he runs his club. You know, he tries to do things what's best for the club. He tries to bring in. No, but he does. I mean, as a chairman, your job is to maintain stability. Your job is to try and sell players for as much as you can and negotiate as much as you can when you're buying. And he's, you know, he's always put good faith into into managers, and he's always just just they've just fallen short. And all right, he's made a few mistakes, but. You can't say that he's run Tottenham in a bad way, or that he's run Tottenham, you know, willy-nilly and not really given a shit and just let them rot. Because he's, I think it means a lot to him. But with Chelsea, they just, you know, Chelsea fans have just hit the jackpot. When Roman Abramovich came to London, came to England, he could have picked any club. It could have even he been Spurs. I'm thankful that it wasn't. Yeah, well, this is what I mean. I mean, it could have, it could have pulled through. It could have, could have actually oh. been Tottenham. You could have been. Thank God, it, thank God, it wasn't Tottenham. This, we, this I, agree, I agree, mate. I agree. We agree. We we wouldn't have wanted but, him. But what's frustrating is. It's it's the it's these fans that just come out of nowhere, and I know that happens all the time. But it's just it's just when you try and engage in conversation with them, they give it the big time. You know, they they give it the big, and it's just like, mate, you don't acknowledge what your history was like. You don't acknowledge the sorts of football that you're playing. You you guys used to worship players like Jody Morris and flipping. You know, it's just honestly, just just take a moment. And, 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 you know, they've just, they've just spent hundreds of millions of pounds and Mourinho is such a classless wanker. He's a great, great manager, great tactician. I get all that. I used to be a big fan of his, you know, when he was at Inter Milan, Real Madrid. You know, you can't deny his medal collection, but the way he goes about his business is just so uncouth. It's classless. He's got no respect. Um, people will be listening to this thinking I'm just a bitter Arsenal fan who's, you know, Arsene Wenger obviously got slated by him. But, you know, there are a lot of football fans in the Premier League that, that just don't like Mourinho because of the way that he acts. It's just very petulant. Um, the players as well. I mean, what's there to like about Chelsea and then John Terry? And oh, I just, I just, you know, I, I have to say I probably dislike Chelsea more than I do Tottenham um, for those reasons and, and as simple as that. It's different though, isn't it? I think like yeah. Tottenham, and, Tottenham and Arsenal will always have the rivalry, but like with Chelsea, it's, it's just, it's a visceral hatred. You know, they got for I know I know I quite a few. You've, you've yeah. hit the nail on the head there, Jack. I think you spot it, on. Be it the racism, be it the the money, the this, the that. There's just they're just not a likable club at all. You know. I think um, I, was, I think to kind of from my point of view, I was, I was raised to hit Arsenal and I've learnt to hit Chelsea. And that's, yeah, that's the yeah, actually, way it's gone for me. Good point. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. I, in fact, just hearing myself back now in my head I'm thinking I was maybe a bit too harsh on Tottenham because we have <laughs> no as in you know we 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 have to we have to kind of hate them because of the rivalry and that's all I've known ever since being a boy ever since going to my first game when I was six and I was just I was told that by my dad told that by by all my friends and it's just been drilled into you and and every time the games come along that you, you you just feel this automatic hate for Spurs but you don't really question why you do with Chelsea like you say Raj you've over time, you've just you, we've all developed this hatred for them because there's just nothing right about what they do. Nothing. Smelly, smelly team. Um, what uh, if if you if you had to name a Spurs player that you take tomorrow, who would it be? Fk. Oh, 
Oh, what a question. Great question. Um, tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Oh, do you know what? This is going to sound ridiculous, but I, I tweeted it a few weeks ago, so I've got to stand by it. Someone asked me who, would I, who I'd take from Spurs, and I said to him at the time, for the need of the team, Jeff, you're going to hate me for this, but I'd take Adi Bayor. I think he. Ooh. The thing about the Didn't thing. Uh, hear me out, right, lads. The, 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 the thing about Adi. I thought he was going to say Soldado. I no, no, no. The thing about the thing about Adi Bayor is that he's always been a very talented and a very good player, but his head's just been wrong. And every club he goes to, he starts off really well. He loses the interest. It seems he kind of fades away and and just you know just shows a you know, lack of interest. But Wenger, you know, he got he got thirty four, thirty five goals out of him one season, and and and. You can't deny his footballing ability, and actually, where we are, I, I, I hate I hate to say it, but had we have had Adi or Angie up front this year, then maybe we would be a much stronger force. And you can't deny that he's, there's a good player in him, but his, his head's all wrong. So, if I had to pick someone tomorrow, just for the last ten games, and considering the form that he's been in in the last what four or five weeks, I probably would pick Adi Bayo. Um There's not many. I mean, six months ago, I remember people were doing like these joint North London teams and, and Arsenal could only get Ozil and Ramsey into them. Well, that was obviously done by non-Arsenal fans. But but now, I mean, you'd be lucky to get a Spurs player on, on a joint joint team bench. I think, yeah. you would, I think um, from an outsider's point of view, just looking at it as a, as a football fan rather than a Tottenham fan, I think your side could do with Lloris to start off with. He's a better keeper than Chesney. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, no, no I disagree. Um, totally disagree. Sandro um, would be a fantastic appointment for your midfield. He, he, he needed steel and defensive midfielder that that you lot have needed. He's probably better than Flamini for me. Um, Do you honestly not think Larissa is better than Chesney? Genuinely. Yeah. Genuinely. <laughs> genuinely. Honestly, I know we've had this one before, Jeff. But like, no, gen- genuinely, Jack. I, no, he's no, he's not. Definitely, definitely not. Honestly, he's um, it's just he's been different classes this season. He's been really, really good. And I know Lloris has uh, has been equally as good. But uh, he's made a few rickets, Lloris. I know he has. You know. But going back to that question, uh, Raj, you said it. I would take Sandro in a flash because uh, oh, I think he's different class, mate. He's, he's, his ball retention's good. He's an animal, isn't he? You know, he's got that. He's got that fire in his belly. Um, and it, I think he's just like I, mean, I know we've got we've got Flamini and Arteta, but if we really really do want to push, and I think we do need that extra bit of steel in the middle of the park. You know who uh, I was really disappointed with Jeff at, at Spurs, and that was uh, Dembele, because I really thought he was going to be a good signing for you guys. He's strong, yeah. he's got great technique, good touch, scores a few goals every now and again, and I think he's been injured. To be honest, I, mean, I don't follow like every game that you guys play, but Dembele and Paulinho, I think. I really thought that, you know, when they first came, I thought, they're, oh, they're going to hit the ground running. Um, do, you, do you know what but, his problem is a lot of the time with Dembele? It's, it's his failure to be able to pick a killer pass. He's, he's great at winning the ball. He's great at retaining possession, dribbling. But when it really needs that, that incise, like, incisive cutting final third ball, he just doesn't seem to have that in his locker. And it doesn't even see, yeah, it's... A lot of the time, it's instinctive with players. They just know. They can just kind of spot a run and just mm. pick out the player, pick out the four. But Dembele just seems incapable of doing that. And that's that's what holds him back, most of all. Who I'd would you like to take from Arsenal? None of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I had to One say, uh, Koscielny. That's interesting. I, do you know, honestly, I'd See, take, I'd I didn't take... expect you to say that, if I'm being honest, Jack. No, I would. I'd take Lauren Koscielny. I would. 
I don't blame you. Respect you for that, yeah. It's good. Good answer. Raj? I'd have Ozil. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't blame you either, mate, honestly. I wouldn't blame you. I don't understand it. Give him a decent wash first and, you know. (laughs) Wash wash all the Arsenal off. Yeah. And, you know. That's what I was thinking. We've got that young lad, Fredericks, at Millwall at the moment. I was thinking, I, I hope we give him a good soapy bath when he gets back from there as well. Like, horrible, <laughs> horrible place to loan him out to. Mm. I'm surprised but, they didn't say Harry Kane when they were wanting to have players from Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you were saying about Adebayordo, FK? Yeah. If he was at Arsenal for this season, we'd be 12 mm. points clear now. That's what I mean, Jeff. I mean, that's. No, no. I agree. I agree. When he was first thing, coming, when 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 um, a Tim, the Arsenal fan, was about to put him in back into the first Tim, team. Again. Tim Sherwood, yeah. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, the kid from Bellwood Wood. Who ain't mm. no fucking good. <laughs> yeah, once when, when he when he was looking to put him back in the first team, you know, and he obviously put his arm around him, said, "Right, you're my main man." Blah 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 blah. Mm. I, I said to him, he said, "Listen, this, he's a, he's a top player, Adebayor. If you mm. if you can get his mind right and you get him playing for you." He is a top top centre forward because he's got it all in his locker. He's got pace. This is it. He's got all right the in the air. Um, I remember we got slated. We're not slated, but I remember when Arsenal fans were on the verge of booing Adibar when he was on his way out. There were so many non-Arsenal fans that were like, "How could you do that to a player?" We all said, "Just watch. Just wait and see what happens." And you know, to go to Real Madrid and City and now Spurs and Spurs, he's been in and out, but he's back in. And how long is he going to be flavour of the month? This is this is the thing. His head needs to be right. He needs an arm around his shoulders. He needs to massage his ego. But on his day, he is almost unplayable. I mean, that's how that's how good he can be. He, he's got all the attributes to be a top top centre forward, but he just needs that encouragement, that that loving. He needs to be the the big cheese. You know? Yeah, that's you know, we, the, problem, the problem is the problem is with with Adebayor because at the time he did only leave Arsenal for the money. There was nothing else, you know, because at the time Arsenal were better than Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was only a matter of fact that he went for the, I mean, you couldn't, how can you refuse £180,000 a week though? So you, can you blame him really? I know the fans don't like it, but... There's a couple of don't? things we've added by on, one of which you touched on, which was um, that his need to be the big man. I think we saw that the other week when Soldado scored that goal and we won the game against Cardiff. Don't know if you, you saw that our lad yeah, celebrating yeah. the goal. Adibayor just took a second to hang back and he beckoned them all over as if he was, you know, as a captain would. And he made them all surround him, give him a hug. Because if we were talking about Soldado before, but he's, he's had a rough time of it on and off the field. Um, I don't know if you know about him off the field, but he's just as he was kind of hitting a rough form of patch, a patch of form, even fucking got that the wrong way around. <laughs> um, he just as he was, yeah, dropping out of the team. His um his missus had a miscarriage as well, um, two or three months into the into the pregnancy. Oh no way! I didn't which, know that. Yeah, which obviously hit him hard, and we, we I think we left him out of the squad for for one or two games just to to obviously let him be with his family, and then the the joint thing of having a you know professional new new team new language, and then obviously at home it's obviously not not the nicest of times as well. He went through all that. So to see Eddie Bayor obviously take recognition of that, see how happy he was for another player in his team and not just be, you know, the big man himself, it was, was good to see. But on the point of his wages, he actually gives 50 or 60% of his wages a week to various charities that he runs in Togo. So when we signed him from City permanently, um, we we struck up a deal with him and with City where the £5 million that we paid in transfers went straight to all of his charities. So a lump sum went 
to a charitable donation to his Tongan charities rather than the um, rather than Manchester City to subsidise his wages so that we could then pay him 190, 100 grand a week rather than the 180, oh, wow. 220 that he's on. So he, he he does a lot for the people back in his, his home country, which is, is admirable. Um, there's that interview that me and Jack refer to quite a lot because it was the odd funny quote, but it was quite heartwarming, really, the, the interview that he did with Sky Sports with Jeff Shreves, where um, he talked about you know the, the shootings and everything and, and how he's come back into the team. And mm. he was actually quite humble about AVB and said that you know he had no hard feelings against him. Well, there's obviously a rift between those two and, and something obviously happened there. We're not sure what. There's a, there's a couple of tales that have come out. Of the beanie country. hat, all that crap. In yeah, all, all that hat. shit that's come out that, that could have happened or couldn't have happened, but something definitely I mean, when When you think about it, these are you know young lads who all their lives have just played football. I mean, Adibai was, what, late 20s, mid-20s? I think he's just he's earned, 30, maybe, 29. He? Okay, I mean, he's earned a fortune pretty much his entire professional life. He's lost people in that, in that tr- you know, tragic shit. Shooting. He's, you know, he's obviously involved in charity work. He came over at a young age to play in Europe from from Togo, I think it was. And you know, he he's obviously been through a lot. And and actually, when you think about it, yeah, maybe, maybe that they are you know perfectly legitimate reasons for him to to be the way that he is. And but I, I honestly, I'm not, I wasn't, I'm not 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 taking the mick. I, I genuinely think he's got all the attributes to be a top draw centre forward. And and actually, for the lad, you know, hopefully he is at Spurs. Maybe you know, hopefully he does sort of settle down at one club and just play really well. Because it's never nice to see a player, um, you know, just 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 failing basically and, think, and fa- think, failing I out. Think one of the best things he's got in his locker is that ability to run 30, 40 yards and slide on his knees and celebrate in front of the uh, <laughs> celebrate in front of the opposition fans. I think that's that's one of his. Uh, his best things he's got. Do you know, on that, Jack, I've got to be honest, as football fans, if you give it, you've got to be able to take it. I remember criticising him. I remember shouting at him, even at home games, you know, get a move on, stop being so lazy, this, that and the other, in, in less polite terms. Um, and, I, you know, obviously I was there that day when he come over and the, the, I was actually about four rows back from the guy who threw the, uh, uh, the, the all the bits and bobs and, and the, the stool went flying. I just think... You got to take it as football fans. You can't expect him to take, you know, months of abuse and then to score a goal. And what? He's not a machine. He's a human being. You know, all that pent up frustration. It's just the way he reacted. He got, you know, he got told off for it. And we, we, we just, we just got to move on. Simple as that. I mean, I, it's just banter. That's what football's about. That's the beauty of it. And I think if you give it, you got to be able to take it. So you're acting all like this now, FK. You know you got all naughty on the time. When it was happening, you were there. You were like, yeah, yeah, fuck, I'll see you outside the state. I was living, Jack. I was. All the journey home, all we could talk about was, you know, what an absolute, you know, cunningish thing to do by Ali Bible. But (laughs) upon reflection, you know, the next day we were thinking, do you know what, if that was me, I'd have done exactly the same thing. We was we was all laughing when Theo did the same thing to you guys at, uh, at the Emirates. Remember the two one? I don't remember the next the two nil. When he said two he was going to miss the World Cup as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've heard that. I'll see it. We got a few tweets of the Tottenham fans after when he when he got injured as it happens. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be. I, yeah, I, I did feel quite bad for the lad after I that didn't. injury. I did. I can't, I can't help it, man. I, I think he's the one Arsenal player that I dislike the most because he looks like the type of bloke that cries when he comes, and he he, <laughs> he, he he's just such a, a child. He, he 
he's so overrated as well. I've watched him play so much for England. Overrated, Rod? Seriously? Are, 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 are you going to make it another Aaron Lennon or Theo Walcott thing now, mate? No, but I've watched him play so much for England and Arsenal. And I just don't see where where it comes from. I mean, I'd I'd happily admit as a, as a football fan if he's if he was somebody who had a rate, but Oxlade Chamberlain I think's got a better future than he has. I think he's a better natural footballer. I think he's got a better brain. hundred percent, hundred better brain on him to start with. I think anywhere across the park yeah, would be better. Ulti- ultimately, it's about outputs, and you can't disagree with the number of goals and assists that he got last season. Walcott, I mean, he was incredible for us. Absolutely incredible, and he's not. You're right. He's not the sort of player that's going to have as much as as much of the ball as let's say Ox did last night against Bayern Munich. He's not going to have those moments, but you use him as an outlet. You put him, you play him through on goal. He is brilliant, honestly, and he's just going to get. What, the truly great players, the way yeah. in which you, you talk about him, like the players that that Arsenal look up to, is your great mm. ones. Even even Henri when he lost his pace, that's the player that if Walcott was being honest, that's the player he, he did. He'd aspire to be, isn't it, Henri? With the pace yeah. and the finish and even the, the number on his back and the way in which he plays. Even when Henri lost his pace and even where he's playing now in, in the MLS, he's still got the touch of class about him. He'll still pick out a pass, he'll still pull a defence one way and the other and, and finish with, you know, every which way of his boot. You, you could see that when he came back the other season, he had his, his beer gut on him. He was still he still looked like he a was decent still better player. Than Walcott then, but Walcott yeah, but now you know, just, he's not on a similar level. He, he's just I can't see it for me. That's the one I've Yeah, but then, Rod, you know, Rod, to be fair to Walcott, I mean, very few players are on Thierry, on Thierry's level. You know, you're talking about one of the greatest players that's played in the Premier League. Um, it, it's so easy to compare everyone but to Arsenal someone players, like Rodri. Arsenal players put him on that level. I mean, there was that stupid thing last season where everyone, well, not everyone, idiots, were saying that he was better than Gareth Bale. Mm, okay. <laughs> I think statistically he was, though. I think we've had this. I think we've had this before. <laughs> I think we even went to Squawker and they, they sorted it out no, for us. But you know no, what? No. Hold, hold, hold the fault, though. Hold the fault, <laughs> honestly, because I, I, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% with you, Raj, right? But I, I still think that Theo Walker has got a hell of a lot to do, mate. I really, really do. And, and I've been lambasted for it, but I, I the jury's still out with me whether Theo Walcott uh, is a first-team regular in a team that wins the league with Arsenal Football Club because although he does his stats and everything else uh, match up to uh, most in football, right, for time he's on the pitch and everything else and the goals and his assists, but he could do a lot more. And I really do think, I do believe that he could go on to be as good as, nearly as good as Thierry Henry. But there's one thing missing. That's it's, it's a mental thing with him. I honestly don't think he's got the confidence to do it. He, he's got a tremendous pace. All right, he can, he can, he can definitely dribble with a ball. But I don't. I just I think he's he, he bottles it a little bit. He really does. Maybe it doesn't suit him to play out wide. Maybe he does need to play down the middle because where he can go left and right. But. Um, I I'm, I'm, I agree with you a little bit, Raj, with regards to uh, um, Walcott. I, I do think he's overrated f- with regard to what Arsenal fans think of him. I'm not one of them fans that that, uh, that put him up on the pedestal. I promise you that. Right, I'll tell you what, lads. Well, we we could go on. We could go on all night. I think, but uh, it's we, we probably are going on a bit too much now. Um, so I think it is time to to bid you lads farewell and just to grab before you do go. We sort of touched on the on the game. But your, your score, your score prediction, Jeff Arsenal. 
Yeah, 2-1, I fancy. Uh, 2-1, Santi Cazorla is going to get the first goal. All right, OK. And what about you, FK? I'll go 3-1 Arsenal and uh, Cazorla to get the first. Oh, confident. Raji Baines? Um, 3-2 Tottenham. I'll say reverse of that, 3-2 Arsenal. Oh, I, I think it's going to be a tight game. But 3-2 I Tottenham, think no. Tim Sherwood's going to strip off at the end of the game with like masking tape <laughs> over his Arsenal tattoo and like dance around White Hart Lane. And no one will, <laughs> no will cheer his name. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I, was, um, I went to the away game at Newcastle um, and I think there was the first and only. I don't think they've sung it at White Hart Lane yet, have they? Tim Sherwood's been like Arnie. No, it's, it's not going to happen. They, they tried it 4-0 up at Newcastle and the entire block was singing all night. Every single man, woman and child in that stand was singing all night and uh, a few brave souls tried to sing that and it was it was flat and it was awkward. And then the song... Did you ever, did, did you ever sing about George Graham? I think it was the geezer in the grey coat or something, wasn't it? Or whatever it was. <laughs> did you? Yeah. I'm, I'm, geezer yeah. in the grey coats blew my army. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, something, it was something like that though, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. He got the similar, but I don't think it's going to work for him long-term at our place. He's just, you know... I mean, there's that photo of him if when we played you in the cup where he's shaking Arsene Wenger's hand and he just yeah. looks like he's, his birthdays and Christmases have all come it, it, at once. Even Wenger fanboy. looks embarrassed for him. Have you seen it? Like, he's a fanboy. I had it as my profile pic for a while. It was so funny. Oh, dear, Wenger's face is like, who is this? Who is this, Mug? Like, honestly. But, uh... <laughs> it's like he signed a napkin for him afterwards, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. It's the sort of thing show it sort of probably went over to the bench and was like, I'm never gonna wash this hand afterwards. But uh Can we swap yeah. gilos at half time? <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway, lads, thank you very much for your time. Um even if you are horrible gooners, um thank you for yeah, there you go. That's it. God, God bless you, mate. Thanks, absolute, thanks for having us on. Absolute pleasure. Red yeah. Army. Uh, oh no, no, cut it off, cut it off. <laughs> Well, again, it's like a, uh, as I said to them, I'd like to say it was a pleasure that we had them on, but they're, they're rightly quite... You, you know what? Last year, when they finished a point ahead of us on the last day of the season, um, and they kind of did the whole, like, oh, it's St Totteringham's Day and all that crap, you kind of thought, come on, lads, like, you know, I know we'd probably be raking you if we finished ahead of you, but at the same time, you know... There's got to be more of an element of fair enough, Tottenham. You've come a long way, which they don't seem to embrace. But now, again, it just feels like it's they've got every right to just mug us off again. Like if 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 they were in the sort of like disarray that we are at the moment, I'd be pissing myself at them. Um, and I I don't I don't even want to get into these like bantery kind of let's take the piss out of Arsenal. I know you fucking enjoy it, don't you? The amount you do it from the from the all the race to count. But <laughs> I just can't even be bothered to get into trolling them anymore. You know, they're probably going to win the FA Cup, which is annoying as well. Um, if they don't know, it will be infinitely funny if they don't. Oh, it'll be incredible, won't it? It'll be absolutely incredible. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, whatever, Arsenal. I, I'm not looking forward to it, mate, at all. I'm really not. Um, where where do we go from here, mate? If we, you know, say if we if we lose to Benfica or draw to Benfica, we lose to Arsenal, which will pretty much signal us out of any faint, tiny hope of top four. You know. What what happened? I mean, I don't know if you if you listen to uh, Eastburs. Um, they they had a little uh, special this week with George Stobart. I think his name is. Can't remember. Some 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 journalist essentially um, who's got very close links to Tottenham. Tottenham um, podcast. Uh, it, well, they actually run a podcast, but this bit in particular was just like a little one-off, like voice feature that they stuck on. Uh, they stuck on Twitter. Um, oh, right. And Stobart was um, pretty much going on about the fact that... The truck guy. <laughs> yeah, and that's Eddie Stobart, isn't it? All right. Um, he's big, big Yorkshireman, isn't he? Um, he, uh, well, he, he was saying that, you know, the feeling, the feeling around the club at the moment, and this is something that I personally feel, is that it, it, it almost feels like we have gone back to... Gone back to how we were when Yol first took over. So when Santini came in, we brought in a few players, didn't really work out, and then we just we had to start. Work. I mean, with Spurs, what always tends to happen um, is when we actually do spend a lot of money on a player, someone to have an immediate impact, they 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 tend to falter. And as 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 the Stobart lad was saying, um, when you look at people like. Paulinho, Lamella, um, who probably has been fairly harshly judged at the moment, Chadley, so on and so forth. Like, they're, Paulinho especially, like, Soldado especially, are two players who are probably in that bracket who are the best that we could expect to buy without the prestige of being in the Champions League. And it hasn't really worked out for us on that level. And we, we kind of, we were pushed into buying big players that would work immediately because Gareth Bale left and we needed to replace that. We we didn't have the time to th- say like how a club like um, Southampton may, for example, when they probably inevitably lose the likes of Lallana, Rodriguez, Luke Shaw, will just look again to the future um, and bring through young talent again. Spurs almost were at that point when we had sponsors that we had to keep happy. We had a fan base we had to keep happy. We got a new stadium to build and we had to buy players that were going to be good and make an impact immediately. And it it just doesn't seem to have worked for us. Um, so it almost feels like we're going to have to go back now and start buying these players that, you know, the kind of players around £10 million that are going to have a future that maybe next year again, we're going to have to look at it as a transitional year. Um, and, you know, I'm all for that. I don't mind that. But you, you, what bothers me is that are we going to rebuild a team, build these players up to a point where they're really good again, and then have the same thing happen again? I, I, I think that's what, what what is the most gutting about losing the likes of Modric, Bale, um, not so much Van der Vaart because we didn't build him up, but, you know, Ledley King, is that we've... These are players that we built up and they they were building towards this glorious future. 
And we were just on the precipice of that. We were on the on the very verge of realising our our potential as this sleeping giant and really starting to mix it again. And it's just like the, the rug just got pulled out from under us. And it's it's really hard to recover from that massive loss of momentum, I feel, because that's that's a, a culmination of a 10-year project that has just been stopped short. And it's almost like, oh, well, don't worry about it. Just, you know, build up and move forwards again. But it's like, well, I think what people are starting to question now is, that's all well and good and we'll support the club through thick and thin, but what's going to happen, you know, five, six years down the line when these, whatever young players we bring through now get to a level where they're brilliant again and the club then need to invest the big money as we did in the season when the mind, the gap season, when we brought in Louis Saha and Ryan Nelson during the December window, when it was, when we were crying out just for a couple of top quality additions. And we really, really could have fought for the top honors, but we didn't. And it just fell to pieces from there. Is that just going to happen to us again? And that's, that's what it feels like you're staring down the barrel of. Um, and whatever, we'll enjoy the ride. We'll have some highs and we'll have some lows. But I just think we need to seriously readjust our expectations. And I think the club need to start treating the supporters in a way that is more in sync with that. They need to stop charging the same prices as, <laughs> as Champions League teams do. They need to stop treating managers with the same contempt that people like that teams like Chelsea do as much as I don't agree with Chelsea's kind of shotgun approach to managers, at least they can back it up by saying we've backed every single manager we've had through the door fiscally. Um, Spurs don't do that. And yet they still, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just be trigger happy. Um, I think, um, <clears throat> I think for one of the first times, Jack, I actually, I disagree with you because, you're off the pod so but whatever I like that you think you can make that decision Um, but um, no I can't (laughs) um, the reason being is the the whole the the fulcrum and the the main object of that 10 year plan and what have you and and building a club is the stadium and until that is there we are going to be in this state of flux to think any different not a bad point to, to think there's going to be any stadium, there's going to be any sort of sustained top four. There's going to that that side that was how many points ahead in January is going to have been kept together and, and built further on with Modric and Bale. To, to think that's going to be in any different and history would have gone any different had we not had that stadium there is a ludicrous assumption in my opinion. Um, that stadium is that is currently should be our main objective in terms of what it will relate to on the field. Um, with the players we've got in at the moment, we're paying them the, the, the highest wages that we can afford in a, in a structure that we've had to expand over the years by charging the ticket prices that we do. If we lower our ticket prices, the only thing that's going to do is make us fall off on the pitch. Um, and the reason I've never really complained about the prices at Tottenham, um, even though I can't afford going that often, is because I understand why they're there. Um, with the stadium of the size it is, we need to compensate for the fact that we don't get as many people in the door. And through the through the prices, through the eighteen kits we release a season and what have you, through the the commercial way that we're trying to grow the club, just to try and catch up in a natural way to the other clubs, that's the only way in which we can do it. I mean, the entire 
structure of ticketing and what have you across the main league is, is ludicrous for most of the clubs. Um, and, and it's not any different at Tottenham. It's it's you know it's, it's on par with the big clubs. But if, if we're going to try and think with that with that in in terms of prestige and we want to see us that much, then you're going to have to pay those prices. Unfortunately, I mean, I mean, I understand that in it. it, it to a, to a degree, mate. But when the fans aren't seeing a return on this, yeah, we, we're seeing. Okay, we saw the training centre, which is obviously very good. But you know, seven hundred k spent over the past, I think it's twelve years now. You know, it's well, if, it, if, it's if not people... really on. And the stadium, there's still there's not there's not even a girder in the ground yet, mate. In the way well, of foundations. They have, they have with Aaron Lennon and Dawson there, but the, the thing is, if the fans ever want to make a real statement of of, of you know, discontent and to show they've been disenfranchised by the football club. And the way in which you can only protest a football club in this day and age is to talk with your feet, especially at a club like Tottenham. If you wanna if you wanna make Daniel Levy stand up and listen to you, you don't turn up, you don't pay your price and you you leave that ground empty on a match day and you see just how quickly he'll he'll take notice and he'll want to know what's going on if you strike in that number, but that'll never happen. And until that happens, or until that ground gets built, nothing's going to change. We're going to continue in this vicious circle of of, of daring to hope and then failing. I'm, I'm gonna, it's true, I'm going to be honest. So I think after this season, I, 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 I can't see the attendance being, being a sellout every single week anymore. I can't, because I think we're going to lose a lot of the fair weather fans. Um, and I think a lot of the... The, the hardcore, as it were, feel very disenfranchised as well, um, given that the way they've been treated over the past few years, as Levy has clamoured for this kind of elite supporter base, this, you know, people that have the big bucks that can pay up. So to to remove any kind of trace of antisocial behaviour, if you want to call it that, from the ground. So, you know, by not having a drum in there, by not allowing flags in there, by having hugely overzealous stewards within the stadium um this kind of, you know these kind of things that have really alienated a lot of the people that are are the hardcore supporter base um you you you, you can ask a, a, a heavy number of people who you know who have attended white Hart lane for the past few years what the supporter base is like now and it has changed a lot since we've become a more successful club um, so I, I just think that's why we're in a very dangerous position. At the, well, the club are at least are in a dangerous position in, in that they have alienated those fans. And, the, you know, as, as easy as the kind of the fair weather fans come, they go just as easily. Um, well, but it, the, the thing at the end of the day is that you need to decide why you're at the football club then, don't you? You need to decide whether or not you're a, you're a fan of the club. Are you there to spectate or support? You either go there and you support them through thick and thin. You chant whether or not they're winning or losing, or you sit there and you sit down and you see and you sit there quietly. You pay your price and you shut up. I mean, that's the that's that's apparently the choice you have to make in this day and age. So you either you either be a proper fan, you stand there and you sing, or you you conform and you sit. So I mean, I, I'm very I find it very uncomfortable that we. We bash them with one stick, saying that we we don't want them to succeed, and then we don't look at the larger picture and and see what the the effect of that is on the field. I mean, if if your discontent goes through and, and essentially means you're going to be in this in the stadium and giving poor support, 
we've we've touched on this before at the beginning mm. of the season when AVB had to comment on it. It's not a good place for the players to be. The players don't want to play there. So it's you know it's it's almost like we're we're our own. You know, the, the spot away at Chelsea, the spot away all season, for example, has been fantastic. But the inside, why aren't they? And it's 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 been going downhill for years. And there is a a correlation between that and the success we've experienced. And I think that happens at every club. But you know, through things like the eighteen eighty two, and hopefully safe standing coming in at some point, and and what have you, we're going to be able to dilute that somewhat. But other than that, you're going to have to to get used to it I don't, I don't think there's any other way of going about it I think the expression is bite the pillow yeah exactly this is this is about as good as, as modern football gets um, you mean you go go to eighteen eighty two games if you want to experience what support is without seeing the best football but if you want Tottenham to succeed as a as a football club in terms of on field success rather than as a as a supporters unit then and pay your prices and let the club grow in the manner that they're doing because other than selling a soul and doing a Manchester City or Chelsea this is the only way we're going to do it and um, people are just going to have to get used to that You know though as soon as we do get a new stadium we probably will be another Manchester City or Chelsea Well it depends who we sell it to doesn't it if we, if we manage to sell it to the right sort of person then um, they does still exist by the way um, the, the, not everyone's a, you know, the type of owner that Roman Abramovich is with his <coughs> borderline illegal political deals in in Russia in order to secure his wealth. Um, that's not even allegedly. That's that's a fact. Um, and you know the the Qataris that are buying every other club. That that may well be the direction we go down. But it's probably going to come a point in the top flight where every. All twenty clubs are owned by a different Qatari family, so it's you, know, you either you either you, you kind of sit there quietly about that, or you find a new sport. Really, you know, you know what? Mate? I was looking at it earlier. There was a big section in the Evening Standard um, about oh, West Ham. About, no, I dare say you do. You don't get electricity yet, so let alone a free sheet newspaper. Um, we get the but, metro. You get the metro. Yeah, metro. Metro. Yeah. Metro. Well, that's what they say in Newcastle, isn't it? Metro. Metro. Metro, man. Don't, I, I can't see, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was a big, like, double-page spread about West Ham and the Olympic Stadium. And uh, whatever your thoughts about the Olympic Stadium, I was looking at it and thinking, a 56,000-seater stadium in an incredible kind of state-of-the-art complex like the Olympic Park, those fuckers are going to get bored and they're going to become... Another fucking Man City, aren't they? West Ham. A, no, their, their ground's still going to be half fucking empty. Manchester City are looking at expanding their stadium, and that's that's half empty most weeks. To um, be fair, I thought that it's it's not like Rob Pollard sent me something that apparently disproved that. But no, they, I think what clubs do nowadays is um, I know that for definite they do this at the Emirates is they count how many tickets are sold rather than how many bums are in seats. So they don't count gates, they count receipts. So there may well be that number of people that have paid to be inside the Etihad. So you've got your sponsorship, you've got your big wigs, you've got a layer of people who are sat there, you know, from um, sponsors and what have you to be there and have been paid to be there, season ticket holders and what have you. But they're not people that necessarily go on a weekly basis. That's 10% of your ground that's, 
you know, decide whether or not they want to come. They're they're not even fans. They're they're people that have have paid to be there in in a non footballing capacity. And, that'd be that'd be quite a good job, wouldn't it? Be a bum counter, an official bum counter. Well, I mean, to take it back to a sport that I I love is a rugby league. Right, that's go, it. That's the end of the pod, mate. End if you go pod. to um, if you go to Heading the Carnegie in Leeds to go and see the Rhinos play, you get an old fashioned turnstile with someone sat there operating it. You get someone with one of those little clicky wheels who sits there and they click people in to let you know when there's too many people in the stand. And that's the only way they do it. So unless you want to go back to that system where you actually know who's in the ground, um, you're going to get these um, these slightly doped um, attendance figures, which which is sitting for which is um, fitting. Sorry for a, a club like uh, Manchester City, where pretty much everything they do is doped. Right. Well, shit it all, mate. Um, that's we've been, that's we've been, been a thoroughly depressing podcast over the few weeks, haven't we? Yeah, we have. But you know, who cares? Um, <laughs> that's the end of that's the end of Rule the Race podcast for another week. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's probably been a bit long this week, but deal with it. Gives, gives you yeah, gives you something to listen to on the commute while you're at work, while you're pretending not to be miserable in your own boring, miserable little life. Um, mine is. I'm not passing judgment on you. Um, I actually have quite a happy life. I don't. I do. I don't. I don't know. I'm mixed up. <laughs> this is um, a- that's quite a fitting because we had a listener earlier I can't remember his handle who um, I just clicked on his profile as I sometimes do when people tweet in he's asking us when the podcast was out and um, I told him I noticed that he um, that's at Phil Walker 8 is that who he is who's the psychology student (laughs) and I just asked him out of interest you know just how bad your psychological uh, state is and he believed that you had some sort of Freudian problem and I think we've just seen that played out there with you unable to decide how happy your life is I don't think that's got anything to do with Freud, but I, I still I, I don't deny the fact I have are you, problems. Are you a psychology uh, student, Jack? I'm not. Well, I, what I did a psychology AS level. Does oh, that AS count? level. I did an AS level. That makes me. You did that about twenty years ago when you were actually in school, so I don't think it applies anymore, mate. Yeah, Christ, true. Did they more levels back in your day? <laughs> no, yeah, something like that. I don't know what they call them. I couldn't think of a witty retort to that. You got me there. Exactly. You can. Um, yeah. So. If you want to listen to any previous episodes of Rule the Race where we're not actually that unhappy, listen to some of the ones from the start of the season where we thought we were going to win the title and we had AVB and a Gareth Bale still played for us. Um, that was only like one podcast, wasn't it? Maybe, I don't know. It's but you can not even record or read it properly and we didn't know what was going on. Yeah, well, we've still got that part going on, haven't we? Um, you can listen to those on SpursStatman.com where you can find a host of other engaging and just... Generally fantastic editorial Tottenham material. Um, like Raj said at the start of the show, there's a little uh, little piece by myself on Sol Campbell and some of his comments lately. Um, and is there anything else going on at all this week, Raj? You um, just the usual. The usual. Any, nothing from from Rob Brown. Yeah, that's the that's that's our he's our most uh, valued person that writes in every week. He'll, yeah, will be. He should be as long as he's not in the middle of. Some strange South American rainforest. He'll, he'll send us something in um, about the. Please, the if if you see anyone championing an English player on Twitter, please just copy Rob's. He's Twitter. not. He's not against English players. We'll get him in. It's um, we'll, Rob. We'll a, what is it? It's at Rob Bro Seven. Yeah, R O Seven. But the, I just it did make me laugh as well. Actually, there was a chap earlier who yeah, just what? to um, 
just to make me happy, if everyone sends Rob a tweet um, just saying that Radiohead is shit and that um, they're not as good as Queens of the Stone Age, it'll make my day. So that's it. At Rob, double B, Rob Bro. R-O-B-B-R-O-7. Yeah, because he only listens sporadically because I think he only gets that internet two hours a day wherever he's in South America. And in those two hours, he's looking at porn. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, send him him some abuse and also just send him message. Send him the odd message just saying, like, to be honest, I think a fully fit Michael Owen is probably better than Messi. Send him something like that. Oh, oh. Steven Gerrard and Wayne Rooney are better than Sergio Busquets and Arturo Vidal. <laughs> I love you for it. I think he'd actually spontaneously go bust. Um, and listen to all the old episodes of Rule so the Roost as well. No, on iTunes, oh, on right. our Sprout website. Um, also Sorry, follow I don't ever do it again. Um, or follow the account on Twitter at RTR. SSM. Thank you very much for listening. I hope it hasn't been too painful. Come on, you Spurs. Let's do those horrible gooners. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.